We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, October the 1st, 2020. On today's show, I break down South Carolina's game this weekend as the Gamecocks travel to Gainesville to take on the number three ranked Florida Gators. I'll give a full breakdown of Florida, the top storylines of the game, key matchups to watch, give my keys to the game, much, much more there. Also, news and notes to get into, your listener questions, and we have a fantastic conversation. Dan Thompson of Stadium and Gale, the number one Florida Gators podcast. He actually joins me ahead of the game this weekend to break down the Florida Gators in their entirety. We talked the week one win over Ole Miss. Players to watch for South Carolina fans on offense and defense for Florida. His outlook for the game. Will Muschamp. Much, much more. Very good stuff from Dan Thompson of Stadium and Gale. So sit back, relax, enjoy, guys. It's all brought to you by our friends, as always, over at my bookie, Guys, we are in peak sports season right now. I spent almost all day Wednesday watching playoff baseball. The Atlanta Braves, hell yeah got the W, but we are in the middle of playoffs for MLB, NBA, NHL just wrapped up. But guys, college football, NFL, it's all here at my bookie. That can only mean one thing. It is winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contest, survivor, and more at my bookie. Winning season's all about your chance to win big. Guys, you can bet everything. Bet NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, UFC, college football, NFL, like I said, guys, literally anything and everything you can think of, you can bet it over at my bookie. The craziest sports time of your lifetime is here. Guys, it's very simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash, invest in your intuition. You guys are smart. You guys know who's going to win. Invest in your intuition. Select from hundreds of future bets, or you can bet games in real time with my bookie's live betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Go to mybookie.ag. That's mybookie.ag. Use promo code GAMECOCKS and double your first deposit. Guys, new players get to $1,000 in free play. So if you go to mybookie.ag, use promo code GAMECOCKS, put 1000 in, they are literally going to match that deposit and give you $1,000 in free play. So that means you want to throw a grand on the Braves to beat the Reds? Guess what? If you use the free play and they don't win, you lose nothing. If you win, if it hits, you get the money. Guys, it's a win-win scenario. It's designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Guys, again, that is mybookie.ag, promo code GAMECOX, mybookie.ag, promo code GAMECOX. Your winning season begins today only at mybookie. Let's get it.
guys. I'm Chris Phillips here at the Spurs Up Show. As always, appreciate you all tuning in here on this Thursday. Isn't it crazy? October is here. October the 1st today. It, where did September go? I mean, honestly, I guess you could say that about all of 2020. Where has 2020 gone? But it is officially October. We have flipped the calendar. Welcome to October, guys. We are now, if you're a big fan of me, of me like Halloween, we're in the midst of the 31 days to Halloween TV specials and all that crap. Everybody's playing their Halloween costumes and stuff like that. Because crazy, this year, South Carolina's bye week falls on Halloween. So everybody's probably going to be celebrating that. Oh, and it's also on a Saturday, by the way. So the Halloween party should be lit this year. But again, let me be the first to welcome you to October. It is crazy, man. September just flew by. September just flew by. But here we are, October. We've got playoff baseball, which makes my heart very, very happy. But of course, we're talking college football, Carolina football, Gamecocks traveling to Gainesville this weekend to take on the Florida Gators and hopefully pull another upset over the number three team in the country like they did a year ago. So we'll see if they can do that. Really quickly, before we get into everything, a couple of housekeeping items as always. If you have not done so, and if you have, I do truly appreciate it. But please take five seconds out of your day. Go rate the show. Leave five stars, your thoughts, your feedback, whatever. doesn't matter whether you're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Go leave your thoughts. Go leave your feedback, things you like, things you don't like about the show. Take your time to leave five stars. Also, if you have not done so, hammer the subscribe button. Again, does not matter the platform. Hey, even subscribe on YouTube. A lot of you tuning in on YouTube, which I like to see, but make sure you're subscribed. You'll get the daily notifications when the podcast drop so be sure to subscribe to the show and rate the show as well and again those who've already done so i truly appreciate it also a quick reminder if you did not know if you need a place to watch the game you're in the city watch party again this saturday at overtime bar and grill right down the road from williams bryce stadium again i have the graphics posted on social media been reposting them every single day so you get, you guys should be able to see that the address is on there but right down the road from willie b overtime bar and grill doors open at 11 kickoff at noon I will be doing a live pregame show similar to how I did last week from 11 to 11.30, and then I will go live immediately after the game as well. So just want to make you guys aware, again, it's a fantastic time. They have a ton of great specials, food specials, drink specials. The venue is amazing. I had a blast. The first weekend was a real success. So, again, that's our friends at Overtime Bar and Grill. Be sure to check them out. And, again, if you're in the city, you need a spot to watch the game. Come hang with your boy. Again, there's no better specials you're going to find in the city if you're going to go out to a bar or whatever and watch that's going to be the place to go. So, again, Overtime Bar and Grill this Saturday. Also, really quickly before we dive into everything, I do want to let you know about our friends at SeatGeek because if you need tickets, I want to let you know where to get them, whether you're going to the game this weekend in Gainesville, any South Carolina home games this season, SeatGeek is going to be the way to go and how you can save the most money thanks to yours truly. Download the SeatGeek app. Go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to save $20 off your first purchase. Guys, again, nobody's scalping. Paper tickets are a thing of the past. They're changing the game when it comes to ticket buying. So they have a great ticket rating system, which rates the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting, guys. So they really just do all the work for you. They're telling you exactly where you're sitting, what you're paying, what type of deal you're getting, stuff like that. They give you that peace of mind when you click the buy button. So, you know, hey, I'm getting the best bang for my buck, especially in this year with COVID, with all the uncertainty and everything. You don't want anybody trying to rip you off. You don't want to overpay for your tickets. Again, that's where SeatGeek comes into play. And also, if you use the promo code, like I said, going to put $20 right back in your pocket, and we can all use 20 bucks in our pocket for damn sure. So, again, that's our friends at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-R-S-U-P, to save $20 off your first purchase. All right, let's dive into this game. Number three, Florida. The Gamecocks go on the road to Gainesville in the swamp, a noon kick on SEC Network. Uh, talked about the best bet, the lines and stuff yesterday. 
Florida is a 18-point favorite, over-under set at 57.5. The series history in this one, Florida leads 28-9-3, and and the Gators have won the last two games in this series. Last time they met, we all remember last year. We all remember last year the role the referees played in this game, but Florida won the game 38-27 to in a very, very controversial game. Remember, this game was the game after – there was the week after the Georgia upset. South Carolina returned home. I remember I was in the stadium. Really nasty day, rain day. The fair was in town, but a nasty day in Columbia. And South Carolina, to their credit, went toe-to-toe with Florida, made this a fourth-quarter game, and that's when all the madness sort of ensued. Florida pulled away 38-27 to and got the win. Um, quick injury report. Sherrod Green, as we talked about already, he is out. Good news on the injury report for South Carolina, though. Israel McQuamu and Jamar Brown are good to go, and there's no other new injuries as of Wednesday night when I am recording this. So just to let you guys know, it seems like South Carolina's pretty healthy going into this football game, which is always good news to hear. Um, breaking down the Florida Gators, Dan Mullen, obviously their head coach in his third season. They are ranked third in the AP poll, jumping up after they're getting their week one win over the Ole Miss Rebels. So, Florida, if you missed them in week one, beat Ole Miss 51-35, to and you will hear Dan Thompson of Stadium and Gale talk about them a lot more in depth, break them down. But, you know, you get the win, but definitely some positives, some negatives as well. The defense for Florida really got exposed, but Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, that connection, that offense, you know, we were talking, again, I was talking to Dan Thompson, just the – you know, you talk about South Carolina offensively and that only two receivers touched the football for the Gamecocks against Tennessee. Literally polar opposite for Florida. I think they had like 10 guys touch the football that are wide receivers. So, um, going to be a lot of guys South Carolina's got to worry about, got to defend. And that leads me into the top storylines for this game Saturday in Gainesville. And really, I just kick off with South Carolina is going to look to bounce back in this one. What type of team do we see come out against Florida again? You suffer a tough loss, a heartbreaking loss week one at home. You know, I expect South Carolina. That's been the one thing with Will Muschamp that I don't think we've ever had to worry about is his guys battling for him, playing hard for him. Like, Will Muschamp doesn't have teams that I would say quit necessarily. Um, Maybe some of you would argue, but I do expect South Carolina to come out with a lot of tenacity, a lot of emotion, your first SEC road game on the season. And again, they're all important. They're all important for sure. But losing that week one game to Tennessee, it now amplifies them. If you're going to get to five and five or better, this is one of those games maybe you've got to go and pull a big upset. So how does South Carolina, again, because the Gamecocks had a mixed bag as well on Saturday or last Saturday. There were a lot of positives to pull, but there were definitely some negatives. And there are definitely some things that South Carolina has got to get better on. Can the Gamecocks bounce back? What type of attitude do they come in this game with? I'll be very interested to see just the type of team, the demeanor, stuff like that. And especially in a noon kickoff, in a noon kickoff. And like I said, I mean, if you, if you want to get crazy with it, the last time the Gamecocks played the number three team on the road at noon on SEC Network, it was the Georgia Bulldogs and South Carolina was able to pull the upset. And they were a much bigger underdog in that game than they are in this one. I mean, last year, South Carolina, I think, was a 24-and-a-half-point underdog to Georgia, got the win outright. So you never know. You truly never know in college football. But I'll just be interested to see what is the, what is the mindset, what is the demeanor, what's the body language like of this team after, you know, again, a really, really, really tough loss in week one. It's those types of losses, I think, that really test the character and the leadership of your football team. What is the leadership like for the Gamecocks, and how do they bounce back from that tough week one loss? Another big storyline in this one, again, something that the Gamecock defense will have to worry about, and it's a simple question, and I don't know that it has an answer, but how do you stop Kyle Pitts? Kyle Pitts, the, the outstanding tight end from Florida, you take a look at his measurables. 
six foot six, two thirty nine. And you'll hear Dan Thompson of Stadium and Gilligan reference this later because I asked him the same question. You guys probably remember Jared Cook. He has a skill set very, very similar to Jared Cook, who played at South Carolina. Again, six six, two thirty nine. He's too big for a defensive back, but he's far too fast for a linebacker. So that will be the biggest thing. I mean, how can you stop? Can you limit him? He's going to get his yards. Kyle Pitt's going to get his catches. He'll probably get in the end zone too, but you have to at least be able to limit him. He is their number one playmaker. He is their top guy offensively in regards to making plays. So how do you stop him? You know, do you put Israel McQuamon, who's got a lot of length? Do you put JC on him, who's your best defensive back? Do you, do you double him? Do you triple him? Like what? is the game plan against Kyle Pitts. Again, Will Muschamp, a defensive head coach, uh, defensive guru, mastermind, if you will, uh, Tavares Robinson. I just wonder what is the game plan going to be? What are the schematics going to be like? What are they going to do to combat? Because you can't just sit there and let Kyle Pitts beat you all game. You, You just can't do it. He had four touchdown catches against Ole Miss, four of them. And a few of those, I'm pretty sure he was double covered. So can you stop him? I don't know that you can stop Kyle Pitts. Can you limit him? Yes, that will be the key question. Can you at least limit him and make Kyle Trask go to somebody else? Because, listen, the South Carolina defense, it's going to be a tall task. They've got a lot of weapons offensively. Like I said, I think like eight or nine different wide receivers touch the football for for Florida, which is the complete opposite of what happened for South Carolina. So they've got a ton of weapons. But I just don't – you cannot let Kyle Pitts just run rampant on you. I mean, again, against Ole Miss, he had eight catches for 170 yards and four touchdowns. You, you, you can't let him do that to you. So make Kyle Trask go to someone else. If he beats you with somebody else, I say tip your cap to him. Hey, we'll get you next time. But you can't let Kyle Pitts run wild. How do the Gamecocks limit him? Uh, another big storyline in this one, and again, I know it's a little bit different this year. Well, it's a lot different this year because there will probably be 20,000 or so fans in the swamp, so it's not going to be that traditional, crazy, raucous road environment that we've come to expect from Florida. But either way, Colin Hill's first SEC road start, um, I, I think, is really intriguing. Obviously, Colin, a guy, played really, really well last week. In my opinion, at least. There's some of you that maybe don't think so, but he passed with flying colors, in my opinion, for his first SEC start. First game in, in a Gamecock uniform. Threw for almost 300 yards. Really did not put the ball in harm's way all that much. Had a touchdown. I know he had the pick six, but I, I like to think, that if nothing else, he and Shaw Smith share blame on that. I mean, Shaw could have caught that football. I know it was behind him, whatever. Anyways, Colin Hill passed the first test, in my opinion. Now, you go on the road. The competition's stiffening up. I mean, I know some of you think Tennessee is this world-beater team. I don't see it. I don't think they're a juggernaut. The competition steps up this week against Florida. I'll just be interested to see how Colin Hill plays. Um you know, and I'm pulling for him to play well because, like I said, I think the first signs of trouble, people are going to, you know, start to get very vocal about, hey, should Ryan Holinsky be in there? Should we put Ryan Holinsky? So I'm hoping Colin Hill does play well, but I'll be intrigued to see. Again, is he, is he, and I, and I don't think this will be the case. I was, I was going to say, is he, is the moment too big for him? Is the spotlight too big? Is he overwhelmed by, oh my God, we're in the swamp, we're playing Florida? I don't think that'll happen. I think Colin is a veteran guy. He's played a lot of football over his college career. And I expect him to give you more of the same what you saw the first week, a poised guy, calm, confident, collected, commanding the offense. I'm expecting him to be that dude, but it's always interesting. It's always intriguing when you take a player, his first SEC road start, and again, 
like a team like Florida, who is a very high-quality football team. They have a very, very good defense, despite, I think, what they showed in week one. They've got a lot of talent on defense, if nothing else. Can Colin Hill, what type of game does he have? Can he do enough? And really, you know, again, like I said last week, and since he just not play South Carolina out of the game, but can he do his job, do enough to keep South Carolina in it and maybe give them a chance late in the fourth quarter, maybe steal one on the road? Um, another big storyline sticking with the offense to me and somebody who's got to help out Colin Hill. But you know Shy Smith is your guy. You know he's your playmaker, had a fantastic game against Tennessee. My big storyline is this, Shy Smith and who? Who's going to help out Shy Smith? Because I've talked about this all week, and I'm going to echo it again. The defensive coordinators in the SEC, they, they make a lot of money. Okay, they make a lot of money to take away your best player. So, Shy Smith is not going to have 10 catches again. It, it's just not going to happen. He's not going to have 10 catches again. I'd be shocked if Florida lets South Carolina just force-feed the ball to Shy Smith. I mean, if you're, shy, if you're Florida's defensive coordinator, you're saying that is a guy we're eliminating. We are eliminating 13. You got to go to somebody else. I think this is going to be a storyline, honestly, every week until somebody does, but just who steps up? I mean, you liked what you saw from Xavier Leggett. Is he ready, though, to really shoulder the load? I don't know. But again, you only had two wide receivers touch the football last week. Only two. You've got to find other options. You know, Muschamp said that Luke Doty was going to get on the field. I'll be interested to see if they use the carry-on joiner more. You know, Rico Powers was targeted. They try to go to him more. Does Jakari Caldwell finally see the field? Does maybe Josh Van finally get involved? But, again, it's going to be a week-by-week thing. And, again, this is going to be one of those storylines early in the season. This is where I talked about in the preseason that it kills you to not have the old schedule and have Coastal and ECU and then, like, Mizzou to open up the season because – it just sucks for Carolina personally. It just sucks, honestly, that you're having to figure out these questions against a team like Florida and not Coastal Carolina and not East Carolina. So, you know, you hate to try to figure it out offensively against a team like Florida, but, I mean, honestly, for the longevity, for the long term of this season, when I'm thinking long term for this season, even if you lose the football game, there can be positives that come out of it. One of those positives being, hey, we lost the game, but guess, guess what? This guy or this guy emerged as another option for us, another playmaker for us, because right now you have Shai Smith, who's an awesome player, Xavier Leggett, who I think is a nice complimentary number two. Outside of that, you just truly have no idea. You know, Jalen Brooks still is ineligible. Again, Dak Joyner's your number three. You know, he played quarterback last year, and then you've got two freshmen. I mean, maybe Josh Van in there too, but I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know really know what to expect from Josh Van at this point. So, Shy Smith and who? Who is going to be that guy? Who are going to be those guys? And can South Carolina find them this weekend? You know what I'm saying? Can South Carolina find them? And like I said, even if you don't win the ball game, at least start to find those options so you can depend on those guys down the stretch. That's going to be key, I think, not just in this game, for the entire season as well. Uh, another big storyline, flipping back to the defensive side of the ball, and this really pertains to South Carolina and Florida um, because I think both of those teams struggled in some aspects, at least defensively. Obviously, Florida, um, Elijah Moore having 220 yards receiving. Matt, Cor uh, Matt Corral threw for 395 yards against that Florida defense. Again, you'll hear Dan Thompson at Stadium McGill talk about the issues Florida defense had with their safety play and different issues they had there. And then South Carolina, I mean, God, the secondary. I mean, the secondary looked terrible. Outside of J.C. Horn and Israel McQuamu at times, the secondary struggled mightily. I think you liked what you saw up front, obviously, but secondary struggled. There's no other way to put it. 
I'm very curious to see, because I talked about this with Alex McGrath, and I talked about this during this week, the biggest improvement, you ask any coach, the biggest improvement for a football team normally comes from week one to week two. You kind of find out who you are. You get a lot of the kinks ironed out, stuff like that. Which of these two teams makes the bigger defensive jump, I guess you could say? And, again, I'm just intrigued because South Carolina is going to – and I think both teams are going to score. I do think both teams are going to score. I think this is going to be an offensive football game. But I'm curious to see just how much better each of these defenses get from week one to week two. Because, again, Florida got embarrassed. And, I mean, again, it was Lane Kiffin, and he's an offensive genius, and I get it. But Florida got embarrassed uh, against uh, Ole Miss. And then South Carolina, again, you know <sighs> – you say there's some positives in there, but, I mean, honestly, man, you play a game against Jarrett Garantano and the Tennessee offense. I said this before. You get zero turnovers. You just did not do your job as a defense. So they need to get better, especially in the back end of the secondary, at the safety position yet again, and Florida the same. So which one of these two defenses shows more improvement from week one to week two? And then the final storyline for me is just simply, you know, I mentioned it, the last time South going to play the number three team on the road on SEC Network at noon, was Georgia last year, and they got the W. Can USC do the unthinkable yet again? And I hate to use the term unthinkable because South Carolina has been so close with Florida these last couple of years. I mean, you could really justify it. They, they should have at worst split the two games. I mean, 2018, you flat out gave the game away to Florida. And then 2019, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not one to blame games on refs, but that one was bad. I mean, there's no other way to put it. That one was bad. But in this scenario, I mean, listen, you're an 18-point underdog. I think this is the, you know, this is the worst team. You know, I hate to say it. This is the biggest, this is the biggest disparity between the two teams we've seen in quite a while in the sense of how good Florida is versus what South Carolina is right now. So can South Carolina, can they find lightning in a bottle? Can they do it again? Can they go on the road? Maybe you catch the Gators napping a little bit. I mean, it's a noon kickoff. You're not going to have a full house at the Swamp. Does Florida kind of just – sleepwalk into this game and maybe, oh, it's just South Carolina. We can roll our helmets out there and get a W. Can the Gamecocks take advantage of that? Could they possibly do the unthinkable yet again and get a massive upset that really would spark your season? I mean, if, if you were able to beat Florida, it would spark your season the complete opposite direction. So can they? Can the Gamecocks do the unthinkable yet again? That is the question we're all going to get answered on Saturday. All right, let's go into key matchups to watch because these matchups, it's very you're going to see a lot of talent on the field Saturday. I'm very excited for it, to be honest with you. Both sides, you're going to see a lot of talent. And I'm going to start again. I talked about Kyle Pitts earlier. You have to start with Kyle Pitts. I'm going defensive back Israel Mukwamu against tight end Kyle Pitts. And again, I think it will be Mukwamu. I saw an, saw an article earlier this week. They were saying, do you put Mukwamu on him? Do you put J.C. Horn? I think you've got to put Izzy. If you want to mix them up, fine. But I like Izzy on Kyle Pitts. I mean, Izzy actually has the length. He's six foot four. We know how long he is. Kyle Pitts is 6'6", 239. And again, talking with Dan Thompson of Stadium and Gale about this, he did mention, hey, Florida's got a lot of big body wide receivers. So it really is pick your poison. But like I said, you can't let Kyle Pitts just run up and down the field on you. Again, eight catches for 170 yards and four touchdowns that was his stat line against Ole Miss you can't let them do let him do that again again you're not going to completely stop him they're going to get him the football he's going to have a day but you've at least got to do your best job to limit him I think Izzy gives you that best chance again he's he's a guy that can hang with Kyle Pitts in regards to size in regards to length and I think Israel McCormick he's a competitor I, I think Izzy, Izzy would like that challenge 
of going up against a for sure NFL guy in Kyle Pitts. So I think Israel McCormick against Kyle Pitts, that is definitely going to be a matchup to watch all afternoon on Saturday. My second key matchup to watch, wide receiver Shai Smith against defensive back Marco Wilson. Marco Wilson, um, somewhat of a quiet game on Saturday, but a really good player for them, a junior for the Gators. Obviously, we know what Shai Smith did last week, and he's going to be the focal point of the passing game. I know Florida is going to do their best to try to take away Shai Smith. I understand that completely. But you still have got to find a way to get in the ball. You, you just have to. I mean, he's a guy, Shai Smith, you need to target him at least five, six, seven times, especially, like I said, right now, whereas you, you don't know who your other weapons are. You, you don't really know who you can depend on. So until Florida, and if they're going to give it to you, I, I'd almost say anytime, anytime Shai Smith is one-on-one, you should be going to him. I, I mean, honestly, I almost think anytime he's one-on-one, you got to go to him. Um, Again, shy with a huge game week one. How does he follow that up week two? Like I said, Florida probably going to do everything in their power to take him away, but you got to go to him. You got to be able to find him. Colin Hill, it's going it's to be his favorite target all season. He is the focal point of the passing game. You're not going to have success offensively if you can't at least win your matchups one-on-one and get the football to him. You, you just have to. So, again, Shy Smith against Marco Wilson, a big-time matchup on the outside. And then finally, back to the line of scrimmage we go. The Gamecocks tackles got whipped last week. There's no other way to put it. Colin Hill sacked four times. Will Muschamp is cited. They got to be better. The tackles have got to be better. I'm going with offensive lineman Dylan Wanham against defensive end Brenton Cox Jr. If you're not familiar, Brenton Cox Jr., a transfer from the University of Georgia, had a monster game week one against Ole Miss. He did have a sack in that one. Again, you can hear Dan Thompson later talk about him raving about Brenton Cox Jr. Again, it might not be Dylan Wanham. It might be Vershawn Lee, whatever tackle spot. Wherever Brenton Cox is at, though, South Carolina has to limit him. You've got to keep Colin Hill upright in this football game. You, you just have to. Um, we all know Colin Hill's injury history. And honestly, last week, I cringed every single time Colin Hill took a hit. So you've got to keep Colin upright. Again, we obviously know you've got to be able to establish the run. You need to run the football better. But I really think in those passing situations, because I think there, there are going to be opportunities. I think there are going to be opportunities to throw the football a lot, but damn, you're not going to be able to do anything if you cannot stop a guy like Brenton Cox off the edge. The tackles for South Carolina have to play better. So, again, my three key matchups to watch. Israel McQuamu against Kyle Pitts, Shai Smith against Marco Wilson, and Dylan Wanham against Brenton Cox Jr. My keys to the game. And I just want to throw this out here really quickly for those that said, oh, I bet your keys to the game are the same next week. Well, they're not, so suck it. <laughs> my keys to the game, though. First things first. Win first down. Win first down. I talked about this after the game on Saturday. I thought South Carolina, one of the biggest problems for the offense was they did not win first down. The inability to run the ball obviously maximized that. This team is not good enough to play from second and 12s, third and eight or longers. You need to get in third and manageables. You have to be able to get in third and manageables. And how do you do that? You win first down. Productive plays on first down. Eliminate the negative plays on first down. Gamecocks have got to do that. Offense, because again, if you're playing from behind the chains, Florida's defense is good enough that they're going to make your life hell. It's going to be a very, very, very long day for the Gamecocks if you cannot win first down. My second key to the game listen, Florida's going to move the ball. They have a really good offense. I, I know it's so funny. South Carolina fans, and I can't believe it's taken me this long to mention his name since we're talking about the Florida Gators. But Kyle Trask, the game he had against Ole Miss. Six touchdown passes. It's so funny to me because South Carolina fans love to shit on Kyle Trask, and I genuinely don't know why. I genuinely do not know why that is the case. He's a good quarterback. 
Kyle Pitts is a hell of a weapon. They've got other really big-time weapons on the offense as well. I didn't even talk about the running backs. Didn't even talk about them. Kadarius Toney, Damian Pierce, Malik Davis. Emory Jones the guy that using Wildcat type stuff. Trevon Grimes is a big-time player. Kadarius Toney's a playmaker. Copeland, Malik Davis, Trent Whitmore, Naquan Wright, Keon Zipperer, Xavier Henderson, Justin Shorter. I, I mean, you go down the list, there are a lot of guys they get the football to. Again, Kyle Trask last week went 30 for 42 for 416 yards and six touchdowns. I agree South Carolina is better defensively than Ole Miss, but let's just face it, Florida is going to move the football. So my second key to the game is this. They're going to move the ball, but bend, don't break. Bend, but don't break. That is your best friend this week. Red zone defense will be at a premium this week. Because if you can hold Florida to field goals, if you can toughen up in the red zone, hold them to field goals, I think you at least give yourself a chance not only to win the game, but if nothing else, just make it a fourth quarter game. To just make it a fourth quarter, make it a second half game, to be totally honest. Make it a second half game. Make it a fourth quarter game. But again, Florida's going to get their yards. Kyle Pitts is going to get his catches. Kyle Trask is going to have his stats. They're going to move the football offensively. Can you tighten up in the red zone and make them kick? Hold them to three. Hold them to three. Give your offense chances. That's going to be a big key in this game, in my opinion. Because, again, you're not going to just completely stymie Florida defensively. You're not going to completely stop Florida on defense. But you can limit them in the red zone. And, again, if you can make them kick field goals and hold them out of the end zone, don't let them score touchdowns, I think you give yourself a chance in this football game to at least hang with them and go punch for punch, go blow for blow. With that being said, that kind of leads me into my final key of the game. And my final key to the game is this. Offensively, you've got to play keep away. You've got to find a way to play keep away. And again, this kind of goes back to establishing the run, stuff like that. Burning clock. Limit the possessions Florida gets. Because again, they are very good offensively. They have a ton of options. They have a ton of weapons. Keep the ball away from Florida. Your best defense can be your offense in a game like this. Just keep the ball out of Kyle Trask's hand. Keep the ball out of Kyle Pitt's hands. And again, to do that, you're going to need to extend drives. You have to be able to run the football effectively. Colin Hill's got to be smart with the football, no question. But again, South Carolina, for the first time in a while, this was something that didn't even get highlighted because you lost the game. But the Gamecocks won the time of possession, like 35-24, to 34, 36-24 or whatever. One time of possession easily. You need to do that again. And like I said, just limit the possessions that Florida gets. Because again, they're going to move the football. They're going to score points. They are too good of an offense. Dan Mullen is too good of an offensive head coach to keep them off the board. That's, we all agree, I think, there. I think we all agree. You got to play keep away, though. Limit their possessions. Extend your drives. That's going to be help out your defense. I mean, really, that's going to help out your defense in the long run. So, again, my three keys to the game. Win first down. Bend but don't break. And play keep away. You do those three things. I think you might have a shot in the fourth quarter to maybe steal one on the road in Gainesville. So that's going to do it for the Florida breakdown, guys. Appreciate it. Um, Really excited. I will give, obviously, my official prediction for the game on tomorrow's show. So you guys stay tuned for that. Very, very excited about it. Um, Really quickly before we dive into listener questions, because we've obviously got a ton of them, news and notes to get to really quickly. The only thing that I have to go over is Jamar Brown and Israel McQuamu, they are good to go for the game on Saturday, according to Will Muschamp. Again, if you want to take it with a grain of salt, I won't blame you. But, yeah, they should be good to go for the game on Saturday. So, 
Gamecocks have two of their key defenders. And, again, I post this on social media. I'm sure you guys already saw it. But the Gamecocks do have two of their key uh, defenders who will be available for this football game. So, again, very excited about that. All right, let's dive into your listener questions. I have a ton of listener questions. I appreciate you guys always being very interactive. I appreciate the listener questions as always. Let's start. J.A. Murphy, 615. We play Florida tough every year. Not saying we win, but don't sleep on USC this week. Yeah, the games have been back and forth. The games have been very, very, very close. But like I said earlier, you know, unfortunately, I think this is the – what's the word I'm looking for? Is it discrepancy? I, I don't think that's it. This is this, – this, this is the biggest separation between the two teams that I've seen in quite a while and in regards to just how good Florida is and how not good I think South Carolina probably is. So, again, take it for what it's worth. It might be a close game. South Carolina might win the damn football game, and I obviously hope they do. But I think Florida is a much more talented and much better football team than South Carolina. And that, that, that's just calling a spade a spade, man. Um, let's see. Harrison Rowan won. I like the other Gamecock pages. I'm glad you call it how you see it. I appreciate it, man. I'm, I'm just honest. I mean, I'm a fan, obviously. I, I, I you know, I, I'm a fan. I'm pulling for us every single game, but you got to face the music at some point. That's all I can do. All, all I know is how to be real and be honest about it. So I appreciate that. Uh, Brian underscore Marquise Jr., do you think there were any problems the receivers had against Tennessee? Well, yeah, outside of guys named Shy Smith and Xavier Leggett, they couldn't get open, apparently. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it is. If, if Colin Hill just felt comfortable going to those two guys, and I mean, if he did, I, I can't blame him, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, you got to find other guys. You got to find other weapons this week for sure. Um, let's see. E Karch 08. Will we do a better job on defense than Ole Miss did? What about offense? Um, defensively, I'd like to think we're going to do better than Ole Miss. I hope we don't give up 51 points. So I, yes, I think we'll do better offensively. Do we score 35? I don't think so. No. Um, Adam underscore Madison. Is there anybody on South Carolina's defense that can keep Pitts in check? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd just say Israel McQuamu, I think, is your best bet. I think he's your best option at this point. I, if you want to throw JC on him, I mean, maybe. But I, I think Izzy, as far, as far as just a pure matchup, I think that is your best option. So maybe, maybe Israel McQuamu, but again, keep him in check. What do you mean keep him in check? Because, again, I think he's going to get his yards. He's just too good of a player not to. So it's just all about limiting him. Don't let him single-handedly beat you on Saturday. Uh, Jay Painter, 71, will Doty see the field this week? That is the plan, according to Will Muschamp. Uh, Trip underscore zero five. Do you think our goal is to pressure Trask or limit the passing game? I think both. I think both. I think if you pressure Trask, you are going to limit the passing game. Maybe you can force him to make some bad decisions. Maybe you can force a couple of turnovers off him. You're going you're gonna to have to do that. I mean, we saw last year against Georgia, a lot of you saying, hey, Chris, can South Carolina pull the big upset again? Well, you saw the recipe last year, did you not? You saw the recipe. You got to get some turnovers. You got to get some help. You, you got to get help. South Carolina had a pick six in that one. Izzy with two more interceptions. I mean, you, you're going to have to have a day like that where Kyle Trask gives the football up. Just bottom line. And like I said, I said before the season, I don't think you're going to win a game where you don't win the turnover margin. And I mean, that certainly plays a role here. So, you know, we'll see if they can do it. But you, you've got to find a way to pressure Trask and get him to make some mistakes. And hopefully you can take advantage of him. Um, let's see. Everything underscore college underscore football underscore. Do you think Colin can get us the 24 more points on a good UF defense? I'm going to take the under on that. I don't think South Carolina gets to 24. Um, Jeff Madison, 23-27. 
The possession after the bobbled punt was a huge one. We came away with no points. I agree with you 110%. I don't think that's talked about enough. That was a huge turning point in that football game. Um, let's see. Thomas underscore Brady underscore H. Is it just me or did Bobo's offense look better prepared than Champ's defense? I mean, yeah, the defense left a lot to be desired. I, I don't know what happened with the defense. I, it's hard for me to fathom that the defense isn't any better than it is right now in year five, but here we are. So, um, Jay Painter, 71, is it a smart move to have J.C. covering Pitts this weekend? Either he or Izzy. I just like Izzy because he's 6'4". Kyle Pitts is 6'6". I like that matchup in regards to size. But, I mean, listen, I think if J.C. covered him, I mean, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind that, that J.C. Could, help, could hold his own against Kyle Pitts, no question. Um, let's see. Scott W. Lawson, if Horn doesn't lock down Pitts up and Izzy isn't back, UF may throw for a school record. Well, thankfully, Izzy is back. So, uh, yeah. So, Let's see. Brant T. Farmer, biggest key to beating Florida. Again, if there was one thing I'd say you have to do, again, what's the recipe to pull off a big upset? You're going to have to force multiple turnovers. That's just bottom line. You're, you're not going to win a game on a clean turnover stat sheet. You're just not. Again, you look at last year's Georgia game. Why did South Carolina win that football game? Well, they forced three turnovers. They, they forced three picks. That's why you won the game. Bottom line. That, that's, that's why you won the game. So, you got to do that again. I've given my keys to the game, and those are all things you need to do as well. But if you do all those things and you don't force any turnovers, I still don't think you win the football game. So you got to get the ball off of Florida, bottom line. Um, let's see. Mike.Edwards07, will we see Luke Doty more involved in the game? I think so. I mean, according to Muschamp, you will. I'd expect him to see him on the field, yes. Ethan.D.Williams, do you think Rico Powers will play? Absolutely. I think they need to get him involved. You've got to start finding other playmakers. Rico Powers could be that guy. So, um, last question here, not even a question, just a statement. I'm going to read it anyways. John Ian0907, please beat UF in a stunning upset so we can cheer for a week at least. My friend John, I would love to light up a victory cigar this week. I didn't get to do it last week, obviously. I would love to do so. So, I agree with you. Let, let's get a dub. Let, let's shock the world. Why not? Um, again, guys, appreciate the listener questions. Appreciate all the interaction. You guys make it very fun for me. So thank you so much. All right. Got a fantastic interview, like I said, or not really an interview, just a conversation. But Dan Thompson, either way, of Stadium and Gale. Stadium and Gale, the number one Florida Gators podcast, the flagship podcast for the Florida Gators. So sit back, relax, enjoy that. Again, a fantastic combo with Dan Thompson. Really everything you need to know about Florida. Players to watch offensively and defensively, how they looked week one against Ole Miss. Again, we talk Will Muschamp, everything you need to know for this game. So, again, like I said, sit back, relax, enjoy. It is all brought to you by our friends at Southern Oaks Remodeling. Yes, Southern Oaks Remodeling, locally and family-owned. Over 15 years of experience specializing in roofing, windows, door siding, and additions, and they're serving the greater Columbia area. Guys, if you're in the Columbia area and you need any work done, whenever you're getting a job like this done, again, it's very personal, right? They're coming in your home. You're having multiple interactions with them. This is something that takes a while. You don't just want to get a company that does good work, but someone that takes care of their clients in the sense of the relationships they build. I've had the privilege to firsthand interact with the folks over at Southern Oaks Remodeling. They take care of their people. They're genuinely good people. Again, family-owned and operate over 15 years of experience. They're going to take care of you. They have built their name and built their brand on their fantastic service and customer experience. Again, they specialize roofing, windows, door siding, additions, any project you may have. Be sure if you're especially in the Columbia area, be sure to hit up Southern Oaks Remodeling. Again, that's Southern Oaks Remodeling. And tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show since you guys enjoy this conversation with Dan Thompson of Stadium and Gale. 
All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show, you know, not often do we cross enemy lines, but we are doing that on this show today. Dan Thompson of Stadium and Gale, they are the number one ranked Florida Gators podcast. Obviously, Gamecocks traveling to Gainesville this weekend in what is going to be a tall task for South Carolina, but I wanted to get someone from the Florida side of things to break it down, break down the Gators. Obviously, they come in this game 1-0 after a an interesting week one win over Ole Miss, some positives and negatives, but first things first, Dan, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Absolutely, Chris. Thank you so much for inviting me on. It's exciting to talk about it. It's always good to welcome uh, Will Muschamp back to Gainesville. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. For, as long as he's not wearing you guys' colors, I'm sure. it's like, that's, hey, that's exactly right. Always welcome <laughs> back. You know, and, you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, when Jim McElwain left, everybody was super excited to see him leave. And, you know, Will Muschamp, it, it just didn't work out of Florida. Right. But, you know, he definitely had a bunch of fans here. So, uh, right. I don't I don't foresee any boos or anything else. So. <laughs> yeah, li- likable guy, for sure. But let, let's start on the field because I do want to go to that week one game again. First things first. Yeah. I know you and I can both agree, just thank God we have SEC football to talk oh, about at this man. point with the madness of 2020. But I want to go back to that game, and Dan, I don't know if it sounds bad, but honestly, I didn't watch a ton of you guys' first game. Sure. I was slipping back and forth between that. I expected Auburn-Kentucky to be a much better game than it was. And <laughs> unfortunately, we didn't see that. But yeah. you guys take care of business. Again, a very interesting game, 51-35. to 35. It kind of yeah. felt like one of those old-school Steve Spurrier games. Um, but in the end, Gators get the win, 51-35. I want to get your initial gauge on it because obviously offensively fantastic day. Kyle Trask went 30 for 42 for 416, six touchdowns. Kyle Pitts looked as good as advertised, maybe better, eight for 170, four touchdowns. But Ole Miss offensively as well, Matt Corral, 22 for 31, 395, three TDs. They had Elijah Moore had 10 catches for 227, which he's a a freaking beast. But talk about that first game overall, how Florida's feeling. You guys are now third in the AP poll, and again, obviously battling for the SEC East title, um, which we all know is going to come down to Florida and Georgia most likely. But just talk about how Florida fans are feeling after that week one win in Oxford. Yeah, I know, and I'll answer your question here in a second. Uh, first off, thanks so much again for inviting me on. What, what's funny about Elijah Moore uh, going for 226 yards is that no Florida school wanted him, uh, so he ended up at <laughs> Ole Miss. Uh, surprise! That's how it always seems to work, you know. Yeah, always especially seems to work against out that Florida. Um, <laughs> yeah, you had the Kentucky running back, the Vanderbilt running back, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, Florida looked looked really strong on offense, right? They punted the ball one time, uh, looked as good, if not better, than than advertised. Um, you know, Florida has a ton of weapons. You know, Kyle Trask, uh, you know, seemingly could put up great numbers this year, put him in the Heisman uh, race, potentially. Uh, Florida's got a good stable of running backs. They've got a lot of good depth there. They've got three very different types of running backs. Uh, they've got Kyle Pitts, obviously an incredible tight end. Depth behind him is a little lacking. And then wide receiver, a lot of potential talent, still some folks that need to be proven. Uh, Trayvon Grimes, you know, everybody's kind of expecting that next game out of him uh, to be his breakout game. He hasn't quite had it yet. Uh, Jacob Copeland, uh, Kadarius Tony. Tony finally um, really broke out of his shell. At the end of the day, you know, what Florida's going to do on offense is they're going to distribute the ball to a lot of people. You know, Florida had 11 uh, players uh, catch a ball against Ole Miss. Uh, you know, they had a stable of running backs that I think the most that any uh, running back got was nine carries. So you're going to see a lot of rotation on offense. Uh, offensive line looked pretty solid from the center over to the left guard and the left tackle. The uh, the right side is okay. They got a, a transfer, graduate transfer, Stuart Reese from uh, Mississippi State, who's finally coming back into the offense. He played with uh, Dan Mullen and John Hevesy uh, at uh, Mississippi State when he was there. Our right tackle is probably the, the biggest area of concern that we have on the offensive line. But to answer your question, Chris, 
Florida just didn't look itself on defense, you know, and Dan Mullen said after the game, it's because they were only able to have two uh, or two practices where they had live tackling and everything else. But, you know, safeties were a big concern. Linebackers were big concerns. Florida has two, uh, you know, all SEC guys that were named uh, at cornerbacks and they let up, I think, 190 yards combined. You know, so the defense just didn't look strong. Do I expect it to get better? Yes. Do I think that Lane Kiffin is probably a better play caller than Mike Bobo and Dan Mullen? Yes. However, if Florida continues to do that, it's going to be a really rough season because Ole Miss's defense is nowhere near as good as we know that Will Muschamp and, uh, and T-Rob can bring to the table. So Florida's got to improve on the defensive side of the ball because they're not going to be able to just sling it around the way they did against Ole Miss. Yeah, I want to move to the head coaching situation in Florida because, again, well, South Carolina, you have all these questions. I feel like in Florida, finally, after some misses with Muschamp and then McIlwain, Florida kind of finally got it right, you know, bringing in Dan Mullen, a guy. I mean, you, you knew that was a good hire off the jump, obviously, what he did in Gainesville under Urban Meyer and obviously the success he had at Mississippi State. Just talk about the, I guess, the approval rating for Dan Mullen because obviously this is a big year and everybody's got high expectations, but I feel like the, the fan base in Gainesville has got to be really, really happy with the job that Mullen's done at least to this point. Absolutely. You know, and, and I think what Florida really brought to the table with Dan Mullen is a lot of continuity as well. Um, Florida has lost two coaches since Dan Mullen has been here, and we feel like we, he's upgraded. Uh, both times coaches have left, uh, both on the defensive line and in the tight, uh, tight end coach. Uh, at the end of the day, everybody's obsessed with Dan Mullen, right? He's a, he's a winner. He's a guy that will talk after, uh, you know, press, or after games during press conferences about how he wants to win at everything. He brings that competitive spirit. Uh, he's a guy that's done it before. Right. You know, when Florida hired Will Muschamp the first time and then uh, with Jim McElwain, they were kind of missing that CEO approach. Right. It's not just are you a good play caller on offense or good play caller on defense. There's no doubting that Will Muschamp and Jim McElwain were good at both of that. It's being able to handle a lot of the pressure and it's not or be able to handle the entire system, including the pressure that Florida fans want. You know, I always say that Florida fans. um kind of rose as college football on TV rose, you know, Florida became really good uh, mm -hmm. in the early nineties with Steve Spurrier. And that's just when all of the games started to be on TV. And then all of a sudden you have social media. And so all of a sudden you have this huge influx of people that are now fans <laughs> that have really only ever seen Florida win. And so yeah. when we're struggling with, uh, with Wilmosh champ um, and struggling with urban Meyer at the end of his time there, uh, and then struggling with Jim McElwain, it's just Florida fans just weren't used to that. So you needed somebody that could come in, take the pressure and, a guy like Dan Mullen to be able to, you know, turn a program like Mississippi State around, bring them the number one team in the country uh, is certainly something that, you know, Florida fans are excited about. They want to see recruiting improve. I think that that's across the board. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Florida does have a top three program. Miami is starting to potentially come up, but they've been down for a while. And Florida State might be the worst version of Florida State that they've ever had. So this is the opportunity that Florida needs to win on the recruiting show. But that's probably the only thing that Gator fans are missing. Uh, but there's a, a, a lot of excitement around Gainesville again. Now, sticking with the head coaches, flip side, South Carolina. I, I want to get a Florida fan's perspective on what, what are you guys thinking watching what's going down in Columbia right now? Because I, I don't know if you viewed any of, of our work or my stuff, but my, my thoughts on Will Muschamp are very, very well documented. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think long term. Yeah. And it's kind of like you were saying, I'm so glad you brought it up because I was actually talking to somebody else about this, about – the CEO approach. Like, I don't think anyone questions Will Muschamp's knowledge of the game of football. Like, right. he's somebody in pressers. You know, I tell people, you could just listen to him talk X's and O's all day mm. because he knows the game as good as anybody. But it's almost like he's never been able to get out of his own way as far right. as putting his hands on the offensive playbook or, or what have you. And there's been other issues at South Carolina, too, that I could go down. But what, what, what do Florida fans think of what's going down at Columbia? Because I had someone phrase this to me beautifully. They basically said – 
Florida fans and South Carolina fans, what's going on in Columbia? It's kind of like Florida fans have seen the scary movie and they, and they know where all the jump scares are in the scary parks, and they're watching it with a South Carolina fan, and they're on the edge of their seat and they have no clue. But the Florida fans know, like, hey, this is about to happen. Like, oh, yeah. that's about to happen. And I think back to last year when South Carolina lost to Appalachian State at home on senior night, and I thought to myself, this is Georgia Southern all over again. This is the yep. exact same thing that happened. So I'm just curious because, again, I, I don't want to be t- totally negative. I mean, I'm hopeful, and hopefully Mike Bobo's the guy who can turn it around. Obviously, you're off to a rough start mm-hmm. this year, and we all know the pressure that Will Muschamp is under because of his shortcomings, honestly, at a program like Florida and then what he's mm-hmm. done at South Carolina thus far. But just simply put, I mean, what do Gator fans make of this situation in Columbia with, with Will Muschamp as the head coach right now? You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because I thought the second stint would go a little bit better than the first stint. And I, and I followed it closely, but maybe not closely enough to know. One of my best friends is a South Carolina fan. Um, there's, there's a couple of things, and you mentioned them, and, you know, I've listened to, to quite a bit of your work, especially leading up to, to this week. Um, it's the same problem that I think a lot of coaches have as they're making that transition is that just because you're the CEO doesn't mean that you need to call every shot. It means that you need to be able to put people in positions that you trust, that you say, hey, I can trust that you're going to call the offensive well, or that I'm going to trust that T-Rob with you know us, that we're going to call a great defense together. But at the end of the day, you need to allow the people that you, tr- that you hire to trust them to be in that position. You know, Florida went through three offensive coordinators when he was at Florida. I think he's what on your third offensive coordinator. So he's gone through six offensive coordinators and I think eight years coaching, right? Mm -hmm. That's just never going to create continuity. Um, That's what I think the biggest issue is, is Will Muschamp's a very likable guy. He recruits unbelievably well. He's been able to bring in a lot of talent, even talent on the offensive side of the ball. And you're like, Florida had like the hundred and first ranked defense. Why is DeMarcus our offense? Why is DeMarcus Robinson coming to Florida? Like I'll take it, but you know, what did you see that we don't see? And I, and I think that Will Muschamp could sell ice to an Eskimo, but at the end of the day, he needs to stay out of the way of the people that he's hiring because if he doesn't trust the people in those positions to do their job, then, then he's got to look internally at his decision-making because at the end of the day, there's no reason that a guy like Kurt Roper shouldn't have been successful at Florida Mm -hmm. after all Mm -hmm. of those years uh, at Duke. There's no reason that Charlie Weiss shouldn't have been successful at Florida, you know, when he was a you know, an offensive guru with the Patriots and uh, with the uh, with Notre Dame. And there's no reason that, um, you know, Mike Bobo can't be successful. The problem is when you don't trust them to be able to call their own offense and they feel like you're looking over their shoulder the whole time, they're going to call timid. They're going to call scared. And, you know, Will Muschamp wants, the, you know, his defense to win ball games. But as long as that's your only philosophy, you're, you're never going to be able to be successful. You've got to be able to you know, shift and change with the people that you have. And I also think that, you know, Dan Ma- or, uh, Will Moschip has had, you know, some, some turnover, you know, on his staffs. And I think that that's the one thing that makes coaching staff successful, maybe except for Nick Saban and, uh, and Urban Meyer, <laughs> is the ability to retain right. coaches so they're not leaving for, you know, lateral positions and things of that nature. So um, it's sad to see because I think Will Moschip is a good coach. Mm. Um, I just don't think that everybody is head coaching material. And, that's that's ultimately where we lead uh, to right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you because I mean we could spend the entire episode talking about Will Muschamp because it's so polarizing because huh? it's like and and it is something where it's I don't think there's a ton, there, there's divide because he is such a likable guy that I think that's the problem that people they have a hard time wrapping around saying hey we should fire the guy because he's so likable but at the end of the day and I, and I said this on social media you know they ran the SEC inside thing on SEC Network last night um, from the South Carolina Tennessee game and. I said, you know, I feel kind of bad because I know Will Muschamp works his ass off. But like you said, it's just at the end of the day, you know, maybe 
maybe you're not cut out to be the number one. I mean, not everybody's right. cut out to be a CEO, whether it be in business and sports, what have you. So we'll see if he can get it turned around. But let's get back. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and I think for Will Muschamp, that's okay, right? Like you yeah. can be the best defensive yeah. coordinator. I mean, you saw it when he went back to Auburn after he left Florida you can be the best defensive coordinator and still very well respected and then not have that pressure and that stress and everything else. I mean, Will Muschamp's exactly. made enough money, you know, to retire, to be able to sit back. And I know he's got that competitive spirit and drive in him, you know, and maybe a school like South Carolina, maybe a school like Florida doesn't work well for him. Maybe it's, you know, a, a mid-level school, you know, Jim McElwain yep. had a lot of success up at central Michigan last year. Maybe it's that spotlight and that pressure. And, you know, obviously that the competition that you're playing against right. is, is a bit challenging in the SEC as well. Yeah, for sure. No, for sure. All right, let's get on the field because, again, we could spend all day, like I said, talking about Muschamp. I want to talk specifically this Florida offense. Again, we all know the big names, Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts. That's going to be a connection all season long. And you mentioned Trayvon Grimes a little bit. I know he had three for 64 last week in a touchdown. That's kind of the guy. But just talk about to fans, to South Carolina fans that maybe, you know, aren't as well-versed with Florida as you, obviously. Who are some people offensively? Because, again, we know about Trask and Pitts. Yeah. But who are the other weapons on Florida's offense that South Carolina fans should be keeping an eye out for? Yeah, Florida's going to have probably a three-headed running attack. Uh, it's going to be led by Damian Pierce, uh, who's kind of Florida's bruiser back. Uh, he's been a guy that has sat behind Michael P. Ryan for the last three years who uh, left to go to the NFL draft. Uh, and this is kind of his year. Well, I guess this would be his third year, so two years behind him. Uh, he's your bruiser back. He's going to be the guy that's going to probably get a majority of the carries. And to be honest with you, was kind of your number one starter. There was never a question that he was going to be your number one starter until this summer when uh, Malik Davis, who is a, uh, a redshirt sophomore uh, who was injured last year and got injured this, this season before, really came up. And he actually led Florida uh, in the number of uh, rushing attempts last week with number uh, with nine. Uh, and he actually moved up the depth chart to number one uh, with Damian Pierce, number two, and then a, uh, a redshirt freshman, um, Naquan Wright, who's going to be able to, uh, to run the ball as well. And then they also have former five-star uh, running back and uh, in Miami transfer Lorenzo Lingard behind that. So Florida has a lot of talent. The biggest thing is that running back, they're all going to bring different things. Pierce is going to be your bruiser. Malik Davis is your skinnier, a little bit shiftier guy. And then uh, Naquan Wright's kind of your guy uh, in between, definitely less experienced than the other uh, top two. So, and then at wide receiver, I'll give you a bunch of names, but at the end of the day, you know, if you look at uh, Florida's catching, mm -hmm. Uh, receiving from last game they had one wide receiver with three Kadarius Tony had five he's probably Florida's most electric wide receiver mm -hmm. Jacob Copeland had three Malik Davis had three Trent Winnemore had three and then you had four players that had one catch and then two players that had or one player that had two right so I don't want you to necessarily get used to a bunch of names Kadarius Tony like I said is probably mm -hmm. your most electric he's a senior uh, Florida fans were really really frustrated with him because he's your guy that is very shifty but also was very much an east-west runner uh, against Ole Miss he showed a lot of north-south running that that Florida fans have finally wanted out of him so that's going to be your most electric when it comes to the wide receiver position uh, and then look out for Trent Whittemore uh, he's a um Redshirt freshman, uh, he's a, a gym rat, we'll call him. He's a coach's kid, uh, first in, lunch pail type of guy. Uh, but he's going to come in. He's going to do a lot of your dirty work. Uh, but because he's a, a guy that's going to do a lot of blocking and things of that nature, um, a lot of teams kind of move a uh, – well, a, a team, uh, Ole Miss, moved uh, one of the quarterbacks off of him. Uh, he was able to catch a couple passes for 26 yards. And then if Kyle Trask would have gotten a ball out a little bit earlier, he would have taken one to the house. So uh, those are some names. But at the end of the day, don't get used to a lot of names. That The one name that you're going to see a bunch is Kyle Pitts. Outside of that, it's going to be a wide receiver by committee. Now, obviously, he's just a talented guy. He's a physical specimen. But what, what would you say makes Kyle Pitts such a – because I'm 
you know, you, you list off those names, and it's so mm-hmm. funny because the complete polar opposite for South Carolina. South Carolina had two receivers touch the ball. Yeah. Two. Yeah. Literally two. So it's wild. I mean, honestly, it's crazy. But so you list off all those names, and I'm thinking to myself, who is going to? Because I think you almost have to pick your poison with the Florida offense. Because I know you're familiar with it with the elite corner South Carolina mm-hmm. has, and J.C. Horn, Israel McQuamu, both guys could arguably be first round, if not at least second round draft right. picks. I think J.C. is a first rounder. But yep. so I expect J.C. to probably get on Kadarius Tony. But I guess Israel McQuamu will try to guard Kyle Pitts, which doesn't really seem possible at this point I mean (laughs) but what makes Kyle Pitts such a mismatch nightmare for opposing defenses you know it's funny I think on three of the touchdowns that Kyle Pitts um uh had against Ole Miss he was he was uh guarded by two people this is the biggest (laughs) thing about Kyle Pitts is he's too big for a cornerback and he's too fast for a linebacker uh, or even a safety and you know the thing is 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 Dan Mullen and uh Brian Johnson the offensive coordinator they're going to spread guys out. So they're not going to do a lot of jumbo sets. They're not going to do a lot of tight um, sets. So they're going to make you bring your cornerbacks out. They're going to make your safeties, you know, decide what they're going to do pre-snap. And because you have a guy that's quick, like a Kadarius Tony, you have possession wide receivers like Justin Shorter uh, and Trayvon Grimes, who are all tall. They look like trees out there. And then you have Kyle Pitts. At some point you have to guard one of them, or you have to figure out where you're going to leave a cornerback one-on-one. Ole Miss has much, or pardon me, South Carolina has much better cornerbacks than Ole Miss. So what I'm expecting is that because of that, they're going to leave a lot of these guys on islands, and you guys might be able to to shadow a safety almost permanently over mm-hmm. um, over Pitts. But I'll be honest with you, he's he's tall, he's right. big, and he just runs like a wide receiver, but he'll block his butt off too. So there's just, he's just a freakishly athletic guy, and, and you have to scheme for him. Um, and I think if anybody in the SEC can do it well, it can be Will Muschamp and, and T-Rob. But when you scheme for him, you also have mm-hmm. to worry about, you know, guys on the outside that, uh, that might be able to run clear uh, as well. So it's a, it's a tough task. It's a tall order. Uh, I think the quickest thing is going to be forcing Kyle Pitts to make quick decisions because mm-hmm. it will take – all right, yeah, it will take Kyle Pitts, you know, a little bit to, to get open and, and run into the open field. Yeah, he almost comes off, I don't know if you would recognize this name, but like a Jared Cook type of athleticism mm-hmm. in the sense of he played at South Carolina, a guy that's huge that you're like, how does he run a 4-4? Like it's, yeah. it, should be, it should be impossible for someone that big. And that's why I think they'll probably try to put Israel McQuam on him just because he is 6-4, he's long. I mean, yeah. he's, he's going to be your best option, I think, at that point. But I think the biggest um, thing that you struggle with there is Trayvon Grimes is over 6'3". Jacob yeah. Copeland's over – I think he's 6'1". Trent Winnemore is, I think, think 6'3 or 6'4". Xavier mm-hmm. Henderson, 6'3". Justin Shorter, 6'3". So, yeah. Florida's got some trees out there. Um, and then they have another guy, Keon Zipper, who's a, a redshirt freshman right now. Uh, and he's kind of similar to Kyle Pitts, not, you know, nearly as good. But, you know, he's another guy that Florida's going to put out there just to, you know, figure out what your defense is going to do. And uh, they're going to run some big, tall guys out there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, pick your poison for sure. Let's move to the defensive side of the ball. Again, an area that struggled a little bit last week against Ole Miss. And I say, too, I mean, give, give Lane Kiffin credit. Like you said, he's one of the best offensive minds in the game. But Ventrell Miller had 15 total tackles. Steiner is a really good player uh, on the outside. Just talk about some of the guys on that Florida defense. I guess, first off, where do you want to see the most improvement? Um, but then second off, just give fans, again, South Carolina fans, similar yep. to what you just did with the offense, some names to watch out for on that, uh, that Florida defense. Absolutely. On the defensive side of the ball, uh, defensive line, you know, Florida got a five-star transfer, uh, Brenton Cox, who sat out last season, who just had a monster game for Florida, really disrupted the, uh, the, the, um, the passer, uh, made some plays in the backfield. 
he's a freakishly athletic kid. Uh, he's an incredible player. Uh, he's a guy that you're always going to need to either single block or double block. Uh, Florida has a good defensive tackle push. They are missing Kyrie Campbell last week, uh, who is on the depth chart for this week at defensive tackle. An incredible player, you know, a senior, uh, really good at eating up the double team. Uh, same with Teradell Slayton, who's on that line. Florida is going to really, really, really count uh, on that defensive pass rush that's going to come from uh, Brenton Cox, uh, a guy by the name of Chris Bogle, uh, who plays what Florida calls the buck position. It's kind of that hybrid uh, defensive end uh, linebacker position. A guy by the name of Zachary Carter, who's just a, a beast, and a guy by the name of Mahu, um, Mahmoud Diabate, uh, and then Andrew Chatfield. Those are Florida's pass rushers and edge rushers. Uh, and they're going to keep the offensive line on their uh, on their on skates all game. They're just they're quick, they're fast, they're they're mean. Uh, they've been coached really well by David Turner. Uh, if there is a a miss, uh, Florida doesn't have great ability with those nose tackles to be able to get to the quarterback. So hmm. you know Florida really relies on those outside edge rushers. So if you're able to contain those. I wouldn't worry too much on the defensive tackle position uh, to getting to uh, to Colin Hill. Linebacker, Florida only played two linebackers last game. Um, that was interesting and intriguing. Ventrell Miller, who did have 15 tackles, also really struggled in pass defense. So we really want to see an improvement there uh, from him. Um, Florida has some some depth at linebacker, but it's it's all young depth. So you know, right. Florida is definitely need to see some improvement there. Uh, the safety position was Florida's weakest spot. Uh, if you were to watch the game against Ole Miss last week, the wide receivers were running past quarterbacks all game. Uh, they were completely wide open. The flats were open. They couldn't tackle. They couldn't do anything. Uh, they were missing uh, Brad Stewart, who was suspended for the first game. He's back on the depth chart uh, this week. Uh, Sean Davis, who was their starting uh, one of their starting safeties, got knocked out in the uh, the first drive for a uh, an interesting um, unsportsmanlike penalty. And then uh, Florida's Donovan Steiner struggled. Uh, anybody that they put in the safety position really struggled <laughs> against Lane Kiffin. Um, I think the biggest worry and biggest concern was that Florida, like I said at the beginning, does have two potential All-American cornerbacks and Kyrie Elam, who's a uh, who's a sophomore, and then Marco Wilson, who's the brother Quincy Wilson, who plays for the Jets now. Uh, both potential All-American guys, they both struggled a ton. Uh, they let up 190 yards between the two of them. So I don't think that South Carolina has prolif as prolific of an offense as Ole Miss did, but at the end of the day, if that's the product that they're going to put on the field, then South Carolina has to feel a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, I wanted to ask you from the Florida perspective again, just the take on this game. And listen, calling a spade a spade, Florida's an 18-point favorite for a reason. I mean, I, I think all the prognosticators fairly are going to be picking Florida to win. I mean, I'm picking Florida to win. But, uh, heck, my best bet was Florida covering the spread, if that tells you anything. <laughs> so, just I, I'm curious, though, to get again from the Gators' perspective, the take on this South Carolina team when you come in this game again. You know, Colin Hill, the brand-new quarterback. You have Mike Bobo in his first year, both those guys from Colorado State. Shy Smith is a really explosive player offensively. I like what Xavier Leggett – but, again, those are the only two receivers that touch the ball. And then defensively, you know, what is supposed to be the strength of this team, Will Muschamp's forte, there was a lot left to be desired for me last week. I mean, outside of J.C. Horn and Israel McQuamu, I thought the secondary really, really struggled. I think they have some nice pieces up front. Um, Ernest Jones is a really solid play, player at the linebacker position. But you lose Sherrod Green for the season, which I know you guys highlighted that mm -hmm. on your social media when I, when I tweeted that out, which is – you know, Sherrod's not going to be like some all-SEC blow-you-away type of player, but um, a veteran player in that defense. So I I'm just curious to get the Gators' take on this game, on this team, because I'll tell you this, from the South Carolina perspective, my biggest fear, you know, I, I left the Tennessee game 
in Mike Bobo and Colin Hill's first game with a lot of positives. My biggest fear, however, is I was telling somebody else this, these defensive coordinators are paid a lot of money. They're not going to let you beat them with Shai Smith again. Shai Smith is not going to have 10 catches in this football game. I, I just mm-hmm. – I can't see a world that would be happening. But, again, overall, just – you guys taking I mean, again, you can be as blunt as yeah. you want, honest as you want, because, again, we all understand what the spread is and the, the, yeah. the challenge that South Carolina faces on Saturday. But your take on this game? Yeah, no, I think that you, you kind of hit a lot of the things that Florida's looking at. You know, it's funny. I was, I was talking uh, to Brad Crawford from 247 on our podcast on Tuesday, um, and I feel like Shai Smith is your version of our Andre Debuzz. I just feel like he's been there forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously an incredible player. You know, Florida's going to match up either uh, Marco Wilson or Kyer Elam on him, and they might even, you know, throw a safety uh, over him as well. You know, Florida doesn't want to get beat by, by Shai Smith. Um, I, I think the biggest thing that Florida fans feel comfortable with is that Will Muschamp's still the coach and we know that the offense is going to struggle, right? With that being said, Florida will need to make sure that they don't get lazy, that they don't overlook this game. Uh, Florida has Texas A&M next week. Uh, They're going to travel out to College Station. Uh, You know, the swamp won't quite be the same. I think they're going to have 17,000 fans, and there's still, I think, 3,000 tickets available. So their ability to get up, it's a noon game. Pardon me. So Florida will have to show up. However, I do think that Florida is the more talented team, and I do think that this is Florida's best shot to make a national championship run since Dan Mullen has been here and probably in the, first, you know, in the last 10 years. And then I don't think that they have the ability to do it next year. So if Florida's going to really want to make that, that national championship or, or even college football playoff run, this is going to be the year. And, you know, I think a lot of fans and, you know, the team is really rallying behind Kyle Trask on offense. And I think that they really want to show that they are better than they were on defense last game. Um, you know, Florida's able to learn a lot. I think that your defense, South Carolina's defense, is going to get better just by the nature of having another game. You guys mm-hmm. have played Will Muschamp – or pardon me, you guys have played Dan Mullen uh, before Will Muschamp is, you know, scouted this game for the last, you know, two years. And then when you guys played Mississippi State. So you guys have some film on them. You know, Florida isn't going to change their offense from, you know, previous years. Whereas Florida doesn't have a lot of film on Mike Bobo. Obviously, you know, when he was previously at Colorado State, you can watch that with Colin Hill as his quarterback. But at the end of the day, Florida, you know, feels very comfortable uh, in this game. I think 18 and a half points in any game is a lot, especially in the SEC. You know, I have Florida winning by 14 or 17 points. Um, I think that Florida is going to probably start quick. And I think that unless South Carolina is able to go blow for blow on offense, which I I, I probably think that that would be an unlikely scenario, it's going to really take South Carolina to really be able to stop Kyle Trask uh, from moving the football in, in order to stand a chance. But, you know, I think, I think Florida runs away with this game starting in the second quarter and, you know, it, it might get close towards the end, but I, I like Florida by, you know, 14, 17 points. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking in this. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking a, and I'll give my official score prediction Friday, but I, I'm thinking 38 to 17, 41 to 20, maybe something like that. But I, I do think Florida covers barely covers, but I, I don't know that, that number just seems right, and it's crazy to say that because these Florida-South Carolina games have been very competitive the yep. last – I mean, they've been insane, to be honest. I mean, crazy games. Um, but, yeah, anyway, so – no, so, yeah, I mean, obviously Florida, they're on the way. They're on their path to the college football playoff. It's kind of the goal, and it seems like all signs point to that game in Jacksonville against Georgia. Is that's going to kind of be the game that sort of tells the tale for both of those programs. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Georgia has a lot of question marks. Florida has a lot of question marks, too. You know, a lot of people were, you know, a lot of Florida fans were kind of relishing at at, uh, Georgia's inability to 
you know, to move the football. Arkansas just couldn't get the job done for us. Right. Yeah, I know. We were, we were, we were, we were all, all everybody Razorbacks. Everybody was pulling for Arkansas. We were, we were all Razorbacks in that game. Yeah. Um, but like you said, you know, this game has been 38 28-27, 35-21, 28-20, 27-24-14, you know, 20-23, you know, 19-14. You have to go back you know, to 2012 where you have an actual blowout. Yeah. So, you know, this game, you know, is definitely got to be, play, you know, played well. Florida's got to be able to come and know that, you know, they're playing a, a team that wants to win. You know, I know the players are going to play very, very hard for Will Muschamp. That's the thing is you're not going to see players give up on Will Muschamp. Right. Um, and so they're going to come. They're going to play hard. And Florida's got to, you know, not get lots of days go out there. But uh, I, I do like Florida's chances. And, you know, I, I think the biggest – you know, thing that Florida just has to worry about is how can they get better on the defensive side of the ball if they really want to make a, a championship run here. For sure. Dan Thompson, Stadium stadium and Gale, good stuff. The number one Florida Gators podcast. Go check them out. Let everybody know where they can find you, by the way. I'll, I'll give you the shameless plug here. Let everybody know just where they can tune in to you guys if they want to get more of the uh, more Florida Gators coverage just ahead of kickoff on Saturday. Absolutely, Chris. Thank you so much for uh, for having me on. Uh, my personal Twitter is at DK underscore Thompson. Uh, you can follow us at Stadium and Gale as well. We drop every Tuesday morning. So, uh, like I said, we had Brad Crawford from 247 Sports on last week. Our, uh, this past Tuesday, we went over Florida's win over Ole Miss and then previewed the game this week. But uh, thanks so much. Look forward to a good game on Saturday. Absolutely. Dan Thompson, Stadium and Gale. Appreciate you guys tuning in. I'm Chris Phillips of the Spurs Up Show as always. And we'll talk to you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show. <laughs>